0: This is Pulse95. You're listening to the Future Talk podcast.
1: Future Talk with Al-Saleh and Hany Balkis on Pulse95.
0: Hello, hello and good afternoon. Welcome back to Future Talk right here on Pulse95. This is the one and only place where we bring you the latest in robotics, artificial intelligence, gadgets and applications. All that you need to know about what's happening In the digital world, both in the UAE and around the world, is being brought to you right here on Pulse95.
2: Yes, indeed, Omnia. And talking about the UAE and the world, the UAE's Mars mission, Hope Probe, has made its first vital course correction. We're talking about the Hope Probe that was launched earlier this year.
0: Yes, indeed. A month ago, in July, Yeah, we were able to celebrate the Hope Probe. Launching all the way to outer space, but now we have an update and we're going to be telling you all about it. But also, right here in the UAE, the Ministry of Health and Prevention has added more services to its virtual doctor platform. This platform was originally launched uh, to help uh, citizens right here in the UAE to maybe diagnose themselves, be able to ask someone about the symptoms of COVID-19 and have a chatbot help them out. Since a lot of anxiety was being formed uh, around the virus itself, every time we got a flu, we thought it was COVID-19. But now more services are being added to that platform and we're going to be telling you all about it.
2: Yes, and we do have an interview with Daniel Watson, who is the founder and CEO of SafetyNet Tech and the MIT 35 Under 35 EU and the global winner of the 2012 James Dyson Award. He created a device that uses AI technology to alter the behavior of fish and other marine species, which has been demonstrated to reduce unwanted bycatch by upwards of 60%. Very interesting interview and talk about we have today.
0: Yes indeed. Hani is a fisher himself. You do like to go fishing yes, so um, it's definitely interesting to see how can we make sure that we don't uh, hurt other fish as we go ahead and hunt for certain species. Lots and lots is going to be coming up right here on Future Talk so make sure you stay tuned and we want to remind you that we are also live on YouTube so if you want to uh, associate a face to the voice you can definitely head on to our YouTube channel Pulse95 Radio. We'll be here to keep you entertained. But Keep us 95 locked because we're going to be right back. You're listening to Pulse. Pulse 95. Pulse 95. Daily digital news. Bits and bytes connect our world.
2: We're talking about the UAE mission and how the whole probe made its first vital course correction now last month the UAE did launch the whole probe which is set to orbit Mars and give us information about the Martian plant and let us know what do we have a future on Mars now the UAE's first spacecraft did head for Mars and did successfully adjust to its trajectory to ensure the probe remains on course now completion of the pro, uh, the probes first trajectory correction maneuver did involve firing the HOPES probe's six Delta thrusters for their first time in seventh month journey to the Red Planet.
0: Now this is definitely a great achievement because it is the first time uh, the UAE's HOPE probe has deployed It's Delta V thrusters, but also because it defines the path to cruise Mars, and the fact that it was able to do that successfully means that it is on the right track to arrive to Mars within the next six months. The spacecraft is expected to make seven vital course corrections throughout its journey of about 493 million kilometers to Mars, and uh, we all know that Hope, the Hope probe, actually started a journey from Japan from the Tanagashima space. Center on the 20th of July. But engineers overall have been saying that the performance of the rocket and the spacecraft during the launch and the early stages of its journey have been outstanding. So there has been a very accurate trajectory, which means that it will hopefully arrive to Mars in the time and date that it was supposed to arrive in
2: now it is expected to be around february 2021 when uh, the whole probe will go into mars's orbit and when it reaches the red planet hope will then collect data to help build the first full picture of its climate throughout the martian year it will then explore the atmosphere of mars globally while even sampling daily and seasonal time scales Understanding atmospheres of other planets as well will allow scientists to better understand our own world and others in the universe.
0: 100%. And we've talked before about how important all the research that we're going to be getting from the HOPE probe it is for researchers right here in the UAE but also researchers around the globe because uh, because all of this information will actually be free-sourced so anyone can go ahead, make the most out of it and produce information that will help us figure out how to live on Earth better make sure that our atmosphere is being well taken care of but also, hopefully, make Mars our home one day but other news is happening right here in the UAE
2: Yes, and speaking about home, the Ministry of Health and Prevention, Mohawk did add more services ...to its virtual doctor platform. Now, that new setup does respond to queries on COVID-19... ...and it does connect people with illnesses to doctors. Now, Omni and I have talked about telehealth a lot... ...especially during the coronavirus pandemic... ...and how important it is as a lot of people do have a little bit of a paranoia... Mm-hmm. Uh, ...since the COVID-19 pandemic did begin about going out and going to the hospital. So virtual doctors have become the next best thing. But a series of additional telemedicine and health monitoring services have been added to the Ministry of Health and Prevention's MOHAP's virtual doctor platform. Now the new services will offer remote specialized care and even medical constellations through digital means.
0: Now, uh, as we've mentioned before, Virtual Doctor is not a new platform. It was actually launched at the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic right here in the UAE, and it was basically used to help citizens connect with a chatbot, figure out if the symptoms they have are that of a regular flu or if they are associated with the COVID-19 virus. But now that we've actually seen how, how much impact telemedicine has had and how much help it has provided to the citizens, this platform is expanding to help out patients with chronic diseases as well. So there will be a medical staff working around the clock to streamline ways of communication with community members, but also to raise awareness on what are some of the best practices that we can use for infection prevention. Now, the virtual doctor platform uh, will actually be bringing together a highly qualified and well-trained staff to respond to public inquiries, but best Part about it is that it's available in a number of languages. So, that includes Arabic, English, Chinese, German, French, Indonesian, Russian, and several Indian languages as well.
2: Yes, and this will actually reduce and limit misinformation, and it will reach out to a wide array of people. Just like Omnia said, is available in many languages, thus many people from various nationalities could use the service. And it will actually help reduce the flow of patients with normal cold and flu cases. Mm-hmm. As a lot of people do get paranoid, some of them want to go to the hospital because they have a cold and flu and might think it's COVID-19 and vice versa. A lot of people don't want to go to the hospital because they're scared they'll catch it. Let us know, 4215. What do you think about having a virtual doctor in the palm of our, your hands. Big thanks to uh, the Ministry of Health and Prevention right here in the UAE for doing their best to making our lives easier.
0: You're definitely right, Hani. And the best part about it is that this platform is also now helping out those with chronic diseases. So if anyone wants to go ahead and get a consultation, especially senior citizens, they no longer need to head out of their houses. All they have to do is head to the online platform. If you just type up Ministry of Health and Prevention virtual doctor, it'll pop right up. And it's very easy. You can actually consult with a doctor, find out what is the best course of treatment, and head to the hospital to receive it. Or even easier, if you need to get a prescription, you can even do that online. Let us know your thoughts. Have you tried it out yourself? 4215, do door just a lot, or sign into RDMs at Pulse95 Radio. Coming up on Future Talk, we have a very interesting conversation all about reducing bycatch when it comes to fishing right here in the uae fishing is actually a very important part of our culture and tradition but what can we do to make it safer for the environment as well as improve uh, the fishing results for those fishermen so make sure you stay tuned because coming up we're going to be talking to daniel watson the founder and ceo of safety net tech keep pulse 95 locked we'll be right back you're, You're listening, listening to Pulse. Pulse 95. Pulse 95. Future Talk
1: with Anya Al-Saleh and Hani Balkas on Pulse 95.
0: Fishing holds quite a historical significance in the UAE. It is a very important part of our tradition and it's a very interesting sport for everyone who has lived here. However, we tend to catch way too much fish and the growing demand for seafood is definitely driving the fishing industry to catch more and more fish which is also driving our rich fisheries to their limit. Solution would be to eat less fish, but that's definitely not going to be happening anytime soon So another solution would be to use technology to catch the right fish Without risking the lives of the other fish that may just not be a part of our you know, appetite or a part of our menu Daniel Watson, the founder and CEO of Safety Net Tech Joins us today to tell us more about a device that can help fishermen reduce all that bycatch Welcome to the show, Daniel
2: Thanks so much. It's great to be here. It's a pleasure having you, Daniel. Now, uh, when I saw when I saw this this invention, I kind of the first thing that came to mind is that first of all, I never knew that uh, people actually, uh, like fishermen, actually cared whether or not they were getting the right fish. I thought they would just cast a net mm-hmm. and whatever comes comes. So, what kind of motivated you to make this invention?
1: So that's uh it's a really good question. Thank you. And I think what we found over sort of 10 years or so that I've been working on this is, is a whole range of different reasons for people to sort of start addressing the problem of bycatch. Mm. Um, when I started, I was an idealistic young student, and I was like, we have to change the world. We've got to fix this problem, make it better because it's good for the world, and we need to feed people, et cetera. And that's still true. It was still absolutely true and underlines the reasons why we as a company work in this way. But what we found over the years is is finding ways to to actually achieve the sustainability goals and achieve the biodiversity goals of the company while actually presenting value to to our customers, so fishing crews, in a way that sort of reflects their needs more than ours. So whether that's um, increased profit margin or easier compliance regulation, um, we have to find ways of, of sort of engaging our customer base in that way. And one of the things that's changed a lot over the years is regulation has become a lot more strict. Mm-hmm. So. Again, this really is dependent on where you are in the world, but for instance, in the EU, um, there are now way more strict rules around which fish you can catch and which ones you have to, to throw back, and, and you have to take all your fish back to land now and declare everything that you catch. So it's now impossible to throw fish back without being fined or, or even worse. Mm-hmm. And so with that increased regulation, Fishing crews are now forced to find better ways to catch fish and to stop catching the wrong ones mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so that's what we help them achieve which for their businesses makes life a lot easier
2: now now daniel this also comes in line with saving the endangered species because with this you're not catching any endangered species with this device
1: exactly so um, if you're catching with with methods like a gill net or machine mm-hmm. also like a really long net that sits in the water um, a lot of the time what happens is that along your, with your target catch, um, so let's say you're trying to catch like, um, I don't know, uh, right haddock here in the or U- something.
0: Yeah, right here in the UAE, I think uh, they mainly like to catch hamur, that type of fish, even though uh, there are a lot of regulations on how many can a fisherman catch at one time.
1: Yeah, exactly. So so endangered species we want to avoid all the time, right? It yeah. doesn't matter which fisher you're in. You don't want to be catching like dolphins, whales, mm-hmm. turtles. Um, that's that's a, a no-brainer. You always want to avoid them. Mm-hmm. But like you say, there are also rules about how many fish you can catch. And so if you're catching in uh, some waters where you can only catch a certain number of tons of fish per year, you need to make sure that you're only catching that number mm-hmm. because otherwise you could be fined.
0: Hundred percent. And uh, Daniel, you've created this device uh, called Pisces that can actually reduce unwanted bycatch uh, by up to ninety percent, which can definitely save more fish, but also help the fishermen. Can you tell us more about the technology it's based on?
1: Sure. So this came from a study that was done in Scotland about forty years ago, um, and this guy had a, basically had a flashlight. And he, was, he had a, fish, a, a tank full of fish, mm. and he had a flashlight, and he started shining it at the fish. And he saw that some people, or some people, some fish, sorry, <laughs> um, responded and would like, either be swimming away or towards, and other fish did nothing. And so for him, this was super interesting. He wrote a paper um, describing the effects, and then put this paper on a shelf in a library, and it sat there for a very long time. Mm. Um, so when I was a student, I, I found this paper through conversation with my local research center, and and i was like wow this is cool like you can use lights to affect different species in different ways why don't we use this to try and affect which species are being caught by fishing nets which ones we're encouraging to escape to escape etc and so it really came from there and now what we have is this device called pisces and for those that can see the video um i have it in my hand here it looks like a kind of like a big hockey puck Mm -hmm. essentially it's very solid very strong Mm -hmm. it emits different lights of different colors um you can do program it to do different stuff
0: mm-hmm.
1: and we, we therefore what we do is we put that light into different fishing gears and we use it to attract and repel different species mm-hmm. and essentially set up emergency escape exits that only particular species can see
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that enables us to select between them.
2: So, so for example if I want to order this device would I have to specify what kind of fish I want to catch and what kind of fish I don't want to catch or is there like an app or something I can do to kind of specify?
1: So yeah, so really great question. A, a big part of what we do is we supply hardware as a service, mm-hmm. right? So we have Pisces, we send the fishing crew a kit of devices, and then we have them work with our customer success manager, and he will take everything we know about the science and everything we know about the maintenance and deployment mm-hmm. and work with our customers to make sure that it's being applied in the right way mm-hmm. that achieves their goals. So that's a big part of the relationship for us is this trust element, because in the fishing sector, Trust is a huge, huge part of how we do business. Mm. And that's why we keep that relationship with people for around two years at a time for the contract. Mm. So that we know that they're getting the best out of the hardware.
0: Absolutely. Now, you know, once you lit up Pisces, a device, uh, we could witness different colors. Can you tell us a little bit about which colors target which fish? At least a few examples, maybe. Um, So I saw the blue light and the purple light. Which colors or which fish would these lights attract?
1: So again, it, it really depends on the context. So mm-hmm. um, what what we use the, the, the different wavelengths of the light for yeah. is because uh, different species are able to perceive different wavelengths, different like more or less, basically. So if you're a cod, you might have your eyes, they might be tuned so that you can most easily see a particular blue light. But if you're a haddock, you might not be able to see that light very well at all. Mm. So for us, it's a, it's a two-step process. The first step is, can this species that I'm trying to communicate with, which sounds weird but it's true, like can this species actually see the light that I'm broadcasting? Mm. And if they can, how do they respond to it behaviorally?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so what can we influence with that? And it allows us to be more selective in terms of what we're putting out there and which species are reacting to it.
0: Mm-hmm. A little, so yeah. as an
1: example, oops, sorry, go on, please.
0: No, no, you continue.
1: <laughs> so so as an example, let's say that um uh, you were both swimming towards a fishing net, and um and uh, maybe you're a, a salmon and you, you love blue light, um, but and I, I shone a blue light at you, then you're going to swim towards the light, right? And But if, if, if you're not, if you're like a haddock or something and you hate blue light, then you're going to swim away from it. Mm-hmm. And so with that understanding, we can then apply lights to the gear to affect which ones are being caught. Mm-hmm.
0: So very much like human beings, how sir, like as human beings, we can't necessarily see the UV light or the infrared light. Um, marine species are very, very similar. Uh, but one fi- one final question before we head on to a very short break. Uh, how much impact has spices had since it's been used by the fishermen?
1: So we actually only uh, commercialized our products this year. So we've been working on this mainly with scientific partnerships and commercial trial partnerships mm-hmm. for the last two or three years. So this year was supposed to be our big launch in March Mm -hmm. but unfortunately Covid struck and of course that's delayed everything until a bit later in the year. Um, In terms of impact like we've seen a range of different um, quantified results from the experiments that we've done so some species in some fisheries we can affect by maybe 25 to 30 percent to Mm -hmm. to lower the incidence of bycatch Um, and in some cases we've seen it as effective as 90 percent where uh, in for instance a shrimp catch you can remove 90 percent of the fish species that you're not trying to catch mm. and that's just by applying the lights so it's varied but again depending on the fishery the amount of change you're able to make represents very different values in terms of what prices can be got for the catch because of the quality the amount of sorting time that's going on and the regulatory problems as well so it's, uh, it's really dependent on the customer.
0: Absolutely. It fits whatever needs you have. Coming up on Future Talk, we're also going to be letting you know a little bit about how can this gadget be fitted into multiple gears. If you have any questions, make sure you send them in at 4215 a Keep Pulse95 locked. We'll be right back.
2: This is Pulse95. Future Talk. Future
1: Talk. With Om Salle Saleh and Hani Balkas
0: on Pulse95.
2: Future
0: Talk Every single year, more than 27 million tons of fish are being thrown away And most of the times, it is done for the wrong types of fish that are being caught but to enjoy fishing for long, we need to make sure we are not abusing our joy. And there is an amazing innovation out there that is tackling the issues of overfishing and bycatch. Daniel Watson, the founder and CEO of SafetyNet Tech, joins us today to tell us more about a device called Pisces that can help fishermen reduce bycatch. Welcome to the show once again, Daniel. Thanks so much. Uh, Daniel, right before the break, we were talking all about the device, uh, how it works how it uses LED light to basically attract the fish that we are planning to target and uh, not produce certain light that would attract the fish that we're not targeting. Mm -hmm. Um, But a question comes to mind, on what gadgets can this Pisces device be fitted on? Is it a wide range of fishing gear or only specific types of gear uh, are well equipped to handle this device?
1: Yeah, great question, thank you. And yeah, we've worked really hard with different fishing crews to understand how we could distill the science that we've been working on into the most adaptable device possible so Pisces is really designed to be very very simple in terms of the actual hardware Um, it's it's small it's again i'm holding up here for those that can see the video it's small it's very light um, it can be fitted to things very easily and the point being that you can then fit that to a fishing trawl or a gill net like a long net or traps or pots Um, to achieve the best result possible in terms of
2: selectivity. So it's Mm -hmm. very easy to use in that respect. And this is good for the environment, obviously.
0: Yes, indeed, um, Ah. because it can actually, uh, I feel like, help both the fishermen on one end and uh, the fish reducing the bycatch of the fish at the same time.
1: Absolutely. And so one of the things we've been working with, just to your point about the environment, is Mm. we feel that it should be this science and the technology should be accessible to fishing operations across the whole range of different fishing gears. So while most of our work until now has been with larger sort of industrial fishing operations, because they have the money and the sort of regulatory imperative to work in this way. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also continually doing work to see how we can make the science accessible to smaller scale fisheries. So people that fish on their own or their fishing subsistence um, to make sure that the bycatch reduction is not just available to sort of mm-hmm. richer commercial fleets, but also to people that, that need to maintain their own fishing for their own subsistence and eating uh, into, the, into the future.
0: Absolutely. Um, Another question comes to mind in terms of using the device itself. Uh, We do know that fishermen tend to go on quite long journeys. Uh, The best time of fishing, people would typically say, is either at sunrise or at sunset. But they would typically go for long hours. So how often do fishermen need to charge this device? Because this would also impact how often they'll actually be using it.
1: Yeah, and a really, really key question because we've, I mean, the, one of the big things we identified early on was that if we want people to use this device, it has to be usable, right? Mm-hmm. We can't make people's lives more difficult than it already is to catch fish because it's already really hard work. Mm. Um, it takes a lot of effort and energy. So we've designed um, many features into Pisces, one of which is that the battery life is is long enough to fit in with the maintenance cycles for different fishing gears. Mm. So. On a usual setting, the Pisces lasts for hundreds of hours. So you can imagine that's probably multiple weeks of fishing. Oh wow! Um, if you need it for some reason to be su- super bright, like at its brightest setting, which is very very bright, and you definitely shouldn't really
0: uh, be using uh, look it. at it
1: too directly. <laughs> <laughs> um, is uh, is it, it, sorry? I shouldn't say that. It is still safe, <laughs> but um, but it's uh, <laughs> but essentially, if you have it super bright, um, it lasts for about sixty to seventy hours. So we've got it there so that it. It gives you that range of options and even within a very sort of like longer term fishing operation that might be fishing for 12 hours a day, five to seven days a week, you can see that the battery life would still fit within the maintenance cycles when the nets are out of the water, they can charge it, etc. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Now, not only does the environment benefit from this device, but there's a lot of benefits for the fishermen themselves because obviously they're reducing time with bycatch. What kind of benefits can we see that the fishermen are benefiting? from this device?
1: Well, yeah, great question. So, I mean, if you imagine that, um, let's say, certainly in some countries at the moment with the regulation, if you're going to sea and every fifth fish that you're catching, so one in five fish, every fifth one is, one, is a fish that you don't want, right? Mm. Um, at least in the EU and the US right now, mm. you have to take that fish back to land, right? And, and you can't sell it for very much money or you, maybe you if it's endangered, you can't even sell it at all. True. So you're currently losing up to 20% of your profit margin. Mm. So if you can make it, if we can make it for fishing crews that so they're only catching the fish that they want, that's an extra 20% of the profit margin. Plus, they're using less fuel because they're not having to go back out to go and catch more fish to make up for the loss of the fish that they're getting the one in five, right? Mm-hmm. So better fuel reduce, better profit margin, less work. Like if you're sorting through all your fish on the deck, um, that means you have less work to do because there's less to take out. And the quality of the fish that you're catching is better because you're not catching lots of random stuff with it Mm. that that could affect the quality of your catch. Um, There's a a bunch of other sort of useful things around regulation, like if you're not catching the wrong fish, you're not going to get fined. Mm. It means you can hang on to your fishing rights because you're not breaking the law by catching the wrong ones. So there's, there's lots of upside for fishing crews that choose to use this.
2: So ba- it's basically a win-win situation. You got the fishermen are happy, the <laughs> fish are happy because the endangered species are, are they're still endangered, but they don't have that risk of being caught by fishermen. I love the idea, uh, and, and I believe that most fishermen should use this, this device.
1: Thank you. And you'd think, you'd, I mean, you'd think that that with all those upsides it would be an easy sell right mm. yeah um you just say like hey guys you buy this it's all great and and everyone mm. wins but it's still pretty hard work i think the the fishing industry in general can be quite conservative mm. um they're great people they're very helpful when when you ask for help and like they all support if they can mm. um, but it's a it's a you know it's a it's a very old industry mm. um there've been a lot of issues around laws and science and different advice from governments for the fishing sector so naturally the trust there isn't always so high. Mm.
2: So and
1: one of the biggest things that we have to do to get started is to build that trust and relationship
2: mm-hmm. with
1: our customers so that they, they can understand how we're trying to help, um, how it benefits them, and why they can use it. Uh, and the more that we that we build those relationships with people, the more we can show those examples to other fishing crews, and it, it helps us in our mission.
2: And I, and I believe with this traditional fishing, a lot of people wouldn't look at technology to, to help them mm. because they're, they're, they're used to something for the past... 200 years and they know this is the Mm -hmm. way to do it and they're getting results but coming back to technology and technology in general uh what can can technology do for nature how can we benefit from technology
1: well i think um one of the the trends that we're seeing at the moment which is brilliant is actually one of the biggest issues that we have right now is is not really being able to measure what's going on in nature right so Mm -hmm. Um, l- looking at the oceans, for instance, okay, we have satellite technology, which is increasingly making it, it possible to, to see what changes are going on in the ocean, which otherwise we simply couldn't reach. And mm-hmm. um, we have sensors that are being deployed that can start to beam um, data back to us as well that we can analyze in, in the case of all sorts of changes that are going on. Um, but even when you see things like, um, we now have people who are producing amazing devices like this thing called the audio moth, right? It's basically this connected microphone that you can put in a tree in a rainforest and it can start listening to the environment around it to hear what species are flying past or what's going on in there and then it can transmit that back so this ability to measure things and observe them mm. is rapidly changing which means that if we can measure it we can start to figure out how to manage it and that has been the biggest thing for us as a company is that we've we've changed our focus from very explicitly bycatch reduction into um, sort of measuring, observation, measuring, and then response. And, and Pisces is one way that we respond, but the other things that we're doing is starting to look more at the world around us and start to measure it and see where changes need to happen Absolutely. and how we can build technology to respond to that. I love So that. this data is yeah, it's getting much more accessible.
0: Hundred percent. And observation is definitely one of the key. Things that we should do to be able to solve an issue Coming up on Future Talk We're going to be telling you more about What technology is being used And how it's helping out in the conservation of nature As well as the future plans for the device Pisces If you have any questions for uh, uh, our guests Please make sure you send them in at 4215 door it Or slide into our DMs at Pulse95 Radio Keep Pulse95 locked We'll be right back Pulse95 Future
2: Talk Future Talk With Al Saleh and Hani
0: Balkis on Pulse 95.
2: Future Talk.
0: Today's guest is definitely a very interesting one because we're tackling a topic that I think you, Hania, are specifically interested in. You've been on more fishing trips than I have been in the past few years.
2: Yes, I'm 100%. And uh, w- when we fish, sometimes we would catch the wrong fish. And I, it never came to mind that maybe one day we could use technology to only catch the right fish and kind of put the wrong fish, let them swimming in the ocean all alone and catch the fish we want. And to do that, who did we bring today?
0: To do that, we're going to be talking to Daniel Watson, the founder and CEO of Safety Net Technology, who is joining us today to tell us more about a device that sounds quite simple, but is very, very powerful. It can actually help fishermen reduce bycatch by about 90 percent. And this device actually operates by using LED light. So little did we know, light can actually guide the right fish that we plan to target as fishermen. Welcome to the show once again, Daniel. Thanks so much. Uh, Right before our break, we were talking a lot about how the device operates uh, and how much power it can actually withstand. So as you've mentioned, it can work for up to 100 hours at a time. So fishermen are not having to recharge it uh, often. But... A question that comes to mind, apart from this device that operates based on light technology, what other uh, tech have you witnessed when it comes to conservation technology in terms of trying and saving our nature as much as we can?
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's more and more of this happening. So I think we're seeing a lot of grassroots technology being made by people who um, perhaps are from the research field or from the sort of academic and science background. but as different types of technology become more accessible. So things like um, the Raspberry Pi, which is like a tiny computer in a box mm. um, with different modules like cameras that you can attach to it, sensors. Um, you can even now buy satellite communication uh, boxes that you can just plug straight into these things so you can transmit your data back. Um, so that's a lot of the data side of things. But in terms of, um, in terms of actually increasing biodiversity or maintaining it and conservation in that respect, we're seeing a whole range of different types of approaches. Some are really low tech, Mm -hmm. like um, big, like specifically shaped concrete blocks, right? Put into the ocean around wind farms that encourage habitat formation by particular marine species. Mm. So you're starting to see fish breeding there, which means they have a safe space to go and like breed and repopulate um, where previously it might have been inaccessible to them. Mm -hmm. So that's like, it seems very crude, but actually the outcome is incredibly useful and interesting. But we're also seeing things where, for instance, people are making these autonomous vehicles that can swim over coral reefs and can photograph them and map them so that you can see the state of the coral reef and how they need to be changed to, to sort of preserve them. And another company called, called Coral Beta Who are able to grow coral at 50 times the normal speed that coral grows so that they can start to grow it in tanks in Grand Bahamia, which sounds like a nice place to work, (laughs) Um, and then they can grow them super fast and then they can replant them out in the reefs and start to sort of rebuild those those reef sections as well over time with with corals that are much stronger than normal so they can withstand temperature change and all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. So there's some great progress going on in that respect
0: hundred percent and we've definitely uh, been lucky enough to know a little bit more about Pisces mm-hmm. and how it, it's actually helping save a lot of the fish mm-hmm. ecosystem that we've been seeing and right here in the UAE, I feel like fishing is definitely a part of our tradition it's, it's, it's a part of the culture
2: it's a big part of the tradition and culture if you can if you go right now near uh, the Sharjah, the Sharjah beach, you can see a lot of fishing boats going out and doing their daily fishing routine and again i just keep i keep saying this it never occurred to me that may, that fishermen had this problem of, of bycatch and now we do have the solution so this is a great solution a great device and i'm happy to know about it
0: any future plans uh, for pisces uh, daniel that we should be on the lookout for
1: um well so we're, we're constantly applying it to new fishing gears and new different species and um, we're also starting to this alongside this measurement idea we're starting to fit um, different sensors and equipment to our devices to try and capture that ocean data as we go out and have these applied to different fishing gears. Mm-hmm. And that has been very, very kindly supported by the Expo Live um, cohort, cohort five. Um, so that, that development work is being is being supported in that way. And I guess, I guess a common thread there is that with conservation technology, um, it's an emerging space. Mm-hmm. There's lots of cool stuff happening, but it is an area where investors and sort of financial support tends to be harder to find. Absolutely. So I think what we're seeing now is, is hopefully some more interested investors because we're solving real global problems and showing how the value is is transferred to those end users and customers while achieving real sort of like good progress in terms of environmental and biological safeguarding. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess the message I would try and put out there is like, yeah, people now is a good time to start working on this kind of thing. And if people are looking to support it, like it, it's it's the best time ever because technology is starting to grow faster and there's some really good business cases out there to make this work as well.
0: Absolutely. And fishing season right here in the UAE is actually from February to June. However, you can definitely mm. fish all year round. And right here in Sharjah we're lucky to have a lot of places. As you mentioned, Danny there's Al-Hamariya Beach, there's Al-Khan Lagoon, there is Al-Mamzar, so many so, areas. So many
2: right here in Sharjah.
0: Uh, thank you so much, mm. Daniel, for joining us today and hopefully we'll be seeing become a part of the fishing gear right here in the UAE. Thanks
2: so much for having me. It's been great. Thank you for your time, brother.
0: To everyone tuning in to yeah. us right now, thank you so much for lending us your ears for this hour. Future Talk is coming to an end, but we will be joining you once again, same time, same place tomorrow. So keep Pulse95 locked. We'll see them next time. This is Pulse95. Tune in live every weekday from 2 p.m.